there's a very peculiar thing that we read about in this week's Torah portion. That is the Keteris, the incense. Hashem tells the Jewish people that in order to, so to speak, bring Hashem back to a better mood, so to speak, when, whenever there is some issue, just bring the incense and things are solved. If uh, you would ask any, nowadays we don't have real Kabbalists, it used to have, but if there would be Kabbalists around today like there used to be, oh, Corona, no problem. We'll just do some kind of incense and then we'll get rid of the, the, this issue. The question, though, is what is it about this uh, incense? What does it really mean? And how could we replicate it for ourselves uh, when we have some some of our own uh, inner inner challenges and issues? And and what is it, what to bring Hashem's good grace to us when we have when we want to uh, to bring bring brachas Hashem? So, to, to, before we get to the kateri specifically, let's talk a little bit about scent in general in Judaism and how scent affects people. Truth is that scent is a very unique thing, and that and how deeply it affects us. They did this study. They took these um, twenty college students, and they they uh, put them in two different rooms. In one room, just random kids just went to the you know to, on the campus, pretend kids, and they run one room thing. It's not another room, just random kids. And they, in one room, they uh, they put a little bit of um, uh, floor cleaner. Or, uh, they put, they put some, some, you know, there's a white scent of, of washed floors in one room. And in the other room, there wasn't. And they served some cookies. And they, they, and they had these cameras to observe them eating the cookies. Now, they noticed was that everybody who was in the room with the, uh, with the, with the scent of the washed floors, they're very careful how they eat the cookies, make sure there's no crumbs, and they cleaned up. And in the other room... They ate the cookies, and they left a mess, and that was one difference. The second difference is, they asked everyone who was there to write down a piece of paper what their plans are for the day. So everyone who was in the, the room with the, with the floor cleaner scent, they all said the different things they want to do uh, about cleaning. I want to clean my clothes, I want to clean my garage. Everyone was thinking about cleaning. And in the other room, everyone was like, whatever. No one mentioned anything about cleaning. Just like, what, what are you going to do today? I'm going to read a book. I'm going to go there. No, no, nothing. So, so scent is something which, which really affects... No, you can't like not be... A, you, can't be you can't ignore scent. Scent, scent, scent reaches you. Um, and, and also regarding our memories to different things. Scent is something which triggers very deep memories. Um, when you think about people in your life, you, you think about, the, and if you smell something that reminds you of something, it, it brings you totally back to that, that moment in a very strong way. You smell the same knedlach that your bubby may, used to make, it brings you there. You smell the cookies, it, it, it brings you there. Um, there are um, uh, different explanations about why scent is so powerful. Um, we know in the Torah, uh, God forbid, uh, people who've gone to uh, ashrams and different temples around the world to try out different religions. Which, um, what do they do to to make the people like like to get into in, involved in this in this ashram? What do they do? They have this like very strong scent in this ashram to try to like get people to want to leave the world and to be in some other you know some other other zone. Um, they don't do this on purpose in jail, but I just know myself. Every time I went to jail, I used to visit people in jail. The hardest thing for me was the scent. It was just like, it was just, it, the jail had a certain scent, a very strong scent, and you weren't just physically in the jail and, and behind a hundred locks. Also, you were, you were like stifled by, this, by the scent of the jail. Anyways, so um, on the other hand, we have 
after Shabbos, what do we do after Shabbos? It says that the Neshama is a little bit uh, upset about going back to the daily grind. Neshama wants to stay with Shabbos stick, doesn't want to lose the Shabbos. What do we do to revive the Neshama? So we light the candles because that's when fire was created on Saturday night. We also smell the Psalmin. Why do we smell the Psalmin? Because the Neshama specifically has a relationship to scent. The Neshama is affected by the scent. To revive the Neshama, to keep the Neshama animated, to bring the Neshama to, to be where it's supposed to be, we, we, we give the Neshama a scent. So the Gemara actually has a question, how do we know that we make a bracha on Psalmin? How do we know we make a bracha on spices? So Mara says, there's a Pasuk, a fascinating Pasuk. Mara says, the last Pasuk in Tilim, it says, call on the Shamatalukah. All souls should praise Hashem. So the Gemara says, this Pasuk proves we have to say a bracha for scent. How does that Pasuk prove it? Because what's something that only the Neshama enjoys, not the body? The thing that Neshama, only the Neshama enjoys is a scent. Since, the, since only the Neshama enjoys it, so, so the fact that Torah says the Neshama should praise Hashem, that must mean that we're saying a bracha for something that the Neshama enjoys. And what does the Neshama enjoy? The Neshama enjoys a good scent. If we make a bracha, when we smell something that smells good. Um, it's also uh, scientifically, psychologically, uh, unlike other, uh, other senses, there's a little bit of a filter between um, our, our feelings and our, and our mind. But our scent goes directly from the nostrils, directly to the brain. And, it, and psychologists, neuro, uh, whatever they're called, um, their research has discovered that uh, the, the place in the brain where the scent goes to is is there something that doesn't smell good? No. Is, 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 <laughs> anyway, so so um, the um, the place in the brain where the scent reaches is the place which triggers memories. So that's that's, that's what that's what they've discovered. That that's actually why there's a direct and deep impact from scent because of uh, because of of the um, because it's connected to the brain. There's also um, the Gemara, when the Gemara wants to describe what a kala is, uh, the Gemara says that, the Gemara wants to describe Yerushalayim, rather. And the Gemara says Yerushalayim is such a wonderful place that there's such a good scent from the Ketiris, from the incense that was brought for Hashem, such a great scent that no kala had to put on any perfume because of the scent of the incense. The scent of the incense was so powerful, so such a great aroma, that uh, no kala had to put on any, any perfume. So, but it's also interesting for the Gemara... It says that kala is not to put on perfume. Why do kala put on perfume? I was just thinking, you know, there, there are two people. The goal of the marriage is to bring ava, to bring love. The word ava is numerically equivalent to oneness. What connects the chas and the kala? The kala's aroma, the kala's perfume, the kala's scent causes an immediate connection between the chas and the kala. There's, there, there's, there, there's that connection. It, it, brings, it brings a closeness. Um, that's only on, on, on just a scientific, psychological, whatever. But also, we, we all are affected by this. You go into a store... And you go to the mall, and you want to leave the mall, but you don't leave the mall. Why don't you leave the mall? Because you walked in and you're hypnotized by the scent, and you open your wallet and you start spending because because you're in the. It, it just it just has that that great aroma. Sometimes how it works better on women than it does on men. Men are okay leaving the store a little faster. Uh, at least uh, at least I am. Anyway, so um, so 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 it's, there's a scent in this. That, that's what the, the, they've discovered that it helps people want to stay in their stores. They make a really great aroma in the store, and the people are connected with that. They want to stay in the store. The Torah also talks about the power of why scent uh, stronger than the other senses, why it's connected to the neshama. Amazing teaching from the Bnei Yisascha. Bnei Yisascha was a pillar of tzaddik, of Dinov. He said, like this, when Chava, when Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, 
Torah says she saw the tree, she told her husband about the tree, and if she saw it was really good, and she tasted from it. So he says that all of the senses except for scent are mentioned. Because when she partook of, when she ate from the tree of knowledge, she caused something negative to happen to all of her senses except for scent. So that's why the ability to, to, to smell is directly associated with the neshama. And that's why the neshama specifically is able to benefit from the aroma of, of the... Um, uh, of of the psalmim on Matzah Shabbos, and Shema is a connected connection to the same because the same, because our power of smell never was contaminated. In other words, our power of smell is the same as our power of smell as it was before the sin, and therefore it goes directly to the soul. That's what the Bnei Sarskar says. But all of these explanations don't really begin to address Hashem's favor to the scent of the k'tayis. What's so good at the scent of the k'tayis of the of the incense? That's why we're affected by scent. Why is Hashem affected by the scent of the incense? What, what, what does the scent of the incense do for Hashem? And we says clearly in the Torah, why Hashem loved the Jewish people, He blesses the Jewish people. Meshach Rabbeinu, before He passes away, He says, Yosim It's because we put the fragrance of the scent in your nostrils, in Hashem's nostrils. Because we Yosim because of the Ketorah, it does something for Hashem. Later on, when we read about Kairach, after Kairach rebelled against Meshach Rabbeinu, so there was an argument after Kairach rebels, and it seems like pretty obvious that it was a bad move. It gets swallowed up in the ground. What happens next? Everyone's like, ah, Meishah you killed them. It was your fault. So a plague starts. And God tells Meishah Rabbeinu, tells Aaron to stop the plague. How she stopped the plague? He brings the Ketairis. He brings the incense. How did he know that the incense would stop the plague? He knew this because when Meishah Rabbeinu went to get the Torah on Har Sinai, so all the angels were very impressed with Meishah Rabbeinu. At first they weren't so into human beings getting the Torah, but after Moshe spoke to them, they were all very, very uh, convinced, and they were all very excited about Moshe. And they all gave him gifts. He also got a gift from the angel of death. What was the gift of the angel of death? So the angel of death gave Moshe the secret how to stop the angel of death. How do you stop the angel of death? With the kataris, with the incense. So the question is, though, what is it about the incense? Why is the incense so powerful that it brings Hashem's good favor and, and kindness and rachamim and changes and stops this, uh, stops the, the, the pandemic at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. What is it in the Ketaris? What is it? What's about? What, 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 is it, what does it have? So there is an explanation of the student of the Rashba uh, who says that what's special about the fragrance of the Ketaris is not the fragrance. He says, you know what, it's really, it's not the fragrance of the Ketaris. It's when you bring the Ketaris, what, 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 what happened is like this. Ordinarily, in regular day in the base of Migdash, regular day in the temple, what happened was like this. There was, there was two altars. There's, there's an outer altar, and there's an inner altar. The right, a crane would come in, you take fire from the outer altar, you bring it to the inner altar, and you would offer, you would take the incense and put it on the fire, and, and there would be this, this, this cloud. On Yom Kippur, the Koyen Gadol would take the fire from the inner altar, and he would go into the Holy of Holies, uh, and he would there bring the, the incense to Hashem. So, this explanation says that it wasn't the incense, it was it was the cloud. It was just a cloud. The cloud, the cloud is a place we say on the Friday night in our davening that Hashem appears to us in a cloud. There's a Moshe in a cloud. And that's what all the good uh, Jewish comic strips always use to describe Hashem. There's always a cloud of God speaking. Um, so so, uh, so it's not the Ketoris per se, it's it's the cloud. It doesn't really... And the cloud means the Shekhin, God's presence. But that doesn't really answer the question. Because... It leaves us still wanting, because think about the, the various spices that they used. There was this family called Benaftinus, the only family that knew how to make this spice. No one else knew how to do it. 
It was in their family tradition. No one else knew how to do it. And the spices that were used were from all over the world. They used these very unique spices. And so you didn't have, if it was just about the cloud, so you don't need to have these specific spices. If it was just about a cloud, how does it stop a plague? There must be something else that's there in the, in, in the ingredients of these spices that, that does this. After the high priest would offer this to Hashem in the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies, on Yom Kippur, which you have the holiest person, the holiest place, and the holiest time, he would say a short prayer. A short, a short prayer was that uh, the Jewish people should always have the king of Yehuda, we should always have a king. Um, the, the, there should, the prayer of those, there should, always, there should be rain, and Hashem shouldn't listen to those who are traveling and don't want it to rain, and no one should lose, no woman should lose her child. Very short prayer, very intimate, very powerful prayer. Um, and when did he say this prayer? A time of divine grace after he offered the incense. The question is, but what is it about the incense? What does it have? So there is an explanation of Maimonides. Maimonides says, and all the commentaries attack Maimonides, Maimonides says like this, think about it, the temple. What was the temple? The temple was a slaughterhouse. All these animals were slaughtered every day. It smelled terribly. It was the smell of the blood, the smell of the animals. So in order to fix the smell of the temple, they brought the ikhtayr, so it should smell okay. That's what the way Ram, Ram says. But many commentaries say that Ram was just, he, that Ram writes, he made a book called The Guide to the Perplexed. So he's not really trying to address the inner meaning of what the Ketaris is really about. He's just trying to address the perplexed people and to give them an answer that will satisfy them. He's not telling us the real deeper meaning of it. So yeah, yeah, it, it could be that accomplish that too. That's not the deeper, real um, reason behind the Ketaris, even according to them. He's just saying this for the perplexed. That's what some say. So there's an explanation of the Mithlodeb. The Mithlodeb says like this. Mithlodeb says that when someone faints, you use spices to revive them. So spice has ability to touch the very core of the soul. In a similar way, um, the spices were unique in that um, they had 11 spices. One of the spices was called chalbana. Chalbana smelled horribly. And then one actually learns out from, the, from this that, uh, that um, a, a, in order for Jewish people, whenever they pray together, they have to have Rashaim there. You can't just pray with tzaddikim. Hashem does not accept the prayers only of the tzaddikim. You have to have Rashaim. Doesn't qualify. In fact, the Hebrew word for community is tzibur. What tzibur mean? Tzibur is an acronym for tzaddikim, beninim, rishayim. You have to have the righteous, you have to have the average people, you have to have the rishayim. Just like in this incense, you have to have 11 spices. And not only that, the one that smelled the worst was 40% of the whole thing. And the main component of these spices was the uh, was the chalbana. What's the meaning of the chalbana? The meaning of the chalbana is that Hashem is, says, take something which doesn't smell good. Uh, it's one word. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of uh, background and information. Bottom line, what's unique about this, the Kteris? It's the surprise. Hashem puts a Jew in the world, he wants to get a surprise. He wants to get something, wants to ha- us to surprise him. What was the first Jews, Jewish boy that was born? What was his name? Yitzchak. What's Yitzchak mean? Yitzchak means to laugh. Imagine naming your kid laughter. Everyone laughs at you because you're just a funny kid. It doesn't do, do such so well for the kid's self-esteem necessarily, right? So why, why does... Why does Avon Sarah name their child Yitzchak? Because what's unique about a Jew, what a Jew is here in the world, is, so to speak, to surprise Hashem. To give Hashem something that he didn't expect. What does Hashem have? What, what doesn't Hashem have that we can give him? He doesn't have evil. Hashem doesn't have evil. Hashem is only good. And we deal with evil. And we're able, in our lives, to let go of negative things. To, 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 to stop what we, doing for we, things that we want to do. And to do things we don't want to do. Even though we have attraction to the wrong thing, we have that we were able to rise above our nature, rise above the negative energy inside ourselves, and to make something beautiful out of something ugly. 
So that's the power of the Kateris. It was something that was ordinary spices, dry spices, and yet something, this beautiful aroma emerged from these, these spices. And that the, the message is, what Hashem is telling us is, in order to create this time of divine grace and mercy, it's not by becoming a tzaddik. It's On the contrary, it's by dealing with very simple, hard issues for you, that are hard for you because you're a human being and you have uh, and, and you deal with everyone that deals with different, you know, negative things, and, and yet to make something beautiful out of that, and turning around and, and, and to make something amazing out of that. Um, uh, thinking of this incredible story, uh, you may have seen it. There was a video uh, by the uh, Chabad um, conference of, of Shluchas, I think it was two years ago. There was a Shlucha to, um, to Venice, I forgot her name. Um, she said she was. She came to her Chabad center on Yom Kippur. To they had, they had the synagogue in one place, and they had their their offices in another place. And the office was like an open place; anyone can go there and hang out. And and this Israeli backpacker is is inside the uh, inside the um, inside the office, and she's on the computer checking her email. So and it was open. The Jews were allowed to go in there, but not in Yom Kippur, you know. So and she's there, and and, and uh, she says she says to this girl. Um, uh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm uh, so and so. The girl's like, uh, nice to meet you too. And she's busy on checking her email. And she says, you want to come with me to the synagogue? She says, oh, what's happening in the synagogue? <laughs> you guys know idea it's in Kippur. So, so she says, well, we're going to have a, a meal there uh, soon. Oh, really? It's a meal? I'll come with you. Uh, and she realizes this girl has no idea what's going on. And she also realizes, very, very uh, thoughtful person, that as soon as she discovers it is in Kippur, She's going to be really upset. So she says to so, so the girl asks, "Why is there a meal today? What's today?" And she responds, "Today is the best day for me, you, and I to meet. Today is Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur. Like you know, even the, even the Israelis who are not religious, everyone keeps everyone knows Yom Kippur. And Israel Yom Kippur is like it's like the shtetl used to be in Europe when you, when, on the Shabbos. The whole town was Shabbos. Israel's like Yom Kippur. It's, the whole town, the whole, the whole it's, it's Yom Kippur." Uh, some of Israel. So anyway, so, uh, so so she felt really bad, and and she said to her, "Listen, it's the end of Yom Kippur, and now is it's the highest point of Yom Kippur. It's the best time for you to go daven now. You could daven now, and it's really be heard and really make an impact." So what does this what does this 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 woman do? She she started daven with the Eivish like she never daven before. She, she turned to the Eivish and and what this shluch had done, she taken this 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 negative energy of of like. Of, of oh, what did I do wrong? And she transformed it to to being like oh, did, did I have a chance to talk to Hashem, and that's really why we bring the incense on Yom Kippur, the special incense brought on Yom Kippur. With a person who comes to Hashem on Yom Kippur, and he's like, how can I do tshuva? I did this, I did this. I did, I, what am I supposed to start? And Abish says, what are you talking about? I'm not. Abish is not surprised by evil. Abish knows about evil. Abish is surprised by the guy who's still on the floor. And he says, I need this, I need to fix this, I need to change this, I, 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 I want something different. So this is the power of the Kateris. The power of the Kateris is that a Jew is able to to turn whatever negativity is in, in their life and to make a strong decision, make a strong resolve, and to do what Hashem wants to do, to create something, to bring light and, and joy and happiness and, and to Hashem in a situation which doesn't have that. Um, I'll tell you one more story and let you guys go. You know, I know all of you heard the story before, but I have to tell you the story. It's just such a good story. There was a um, there was a bubby, and this bubby always loved giving gifts 
to her uh, new. Maybe I shouldn't this Bobby would always give, always give gifts to the new granddaughter-in-law that joined the family. And the gift was she would buy them all a beautiful diamond bracelet. And sure enough, the next, uh, the youngest granddaughter is getting married and of course she tells her, I have this thing, I give everybody a beautiful diamond bracelet. Go pick out a bracelet. And she picks out this beautiful diamond bracelet and it's really amazing. Everyone looks at the diamond bracelet. Wow, wow, it's amazing. And the next morning she wakes up. She doesn't know where it is. And it's terrible. Where is it? It's dying bracelet. And, and, and everyone in the family, because she lost it, she's terrible, she doesn't know what she's doing. And everyone makes fun of her. I, I, I don't know if they make fun of her openly, or they spoke under their breath, but but she felt the negative energy, the only one, you know. So, so um, about six months later, her husband uh, and her are watching the, their wedding video. And the husband says, ah, let's put on our uh, wedding clothes. Whatever. So he puts on his kapata from the wedding, and oh, the bracelet! And she's so angry at it. She's full of all this embarrassment, all this. She's all because of you. It's all because of you. Look what you did. I'm so sorry. Gets you know, go on the hand and knees. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. Anyways, two decades pass, and she wants to change her bracelet for something else. It was, a, I think, one of her children was getting married, and she wants to change the bracelet. For whatever reason, she wants to change the bracelet, and and she she goes to the place where the bracelet was bought, and the guy's like, "I can't sell you this bracelet. It's not from our store. What is not from the store? This is the bracelet." And she goes home, and she goes to that jewelry uh, box, and she goes to the where, where that, and she sees that the receipt for the jewelry was six months after their wedding. Her husband had somehow managed to borrow and scratch and beg and somehow to manage to get the money together to get her that bracelet without, so that she shouldn't have his embarrassment of not having the bracelet. And of course, he didn't want to uh, to tell her what he had done. And so that that's that's I think that's a really really a good example of like there's a situation and it's negative and, and Hashem's like throwing you a ball. You, you could do something here. And when you do that, when you take something, you take a scenario and you think, what can I? Do? How can I fix this? What can I do? It it really makes an impact. Last time, much last time. This is a beautiful thing. I learned this today, and I have to share this with you. I learned this today. Unbelievable. You have to read to him, by the way. I, everyone needs to tell him. You have to read what it means. Unbelievable. I've been telling my whole life. I'm just now discovering how amazing Tillum is. It's a process. We read today's Tillum. Today's Tillum, chapter 40. It says, How fortunate is someone who is thoughtful about the poor. On the day of trouble, God will save them. So the simple meaning is, if you think about people who are in trouble, so God takes care of they, God will take care of you too. You think about someone who's in trouble, you think about people, as the Rebbe Hashab said, it's like a mitzvah, it's like a mitzvah's assay. You have to spend 15 minutes to think about what other people need. That's what Rebbe Hashab said. It's, like, it's, it's, it's equivalent to a mitzvah every day, just like the white Shabbos candles, then you have to daven. It's a mitzvah every day to think for 15 minutes how to help other people. So, Mitzvah's David says, it's what, how, if you think about other people, so Hashem will help you. That's what he says. The Chidah says something unbelievable. He says, Ashri How fortunate is someone who thinks about the poor on a day of trouble. When it's a day of trouble for you, and you're having a hard day. And there's no room in your heart and brain for anybody else because you're having a hard day yourself. So you're not going to think about anybody else. You can't. You're, you're, just, you're overwhelmed. Ashri he puts a comma two words later. How fortunate is someone who thinks about people in need on when it's a hard day for them. Because if you do that, that that the Ebershire can 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 doesn't doesn't uh, remain uh, 
uh, unmoved by that. Abish is touched by that. If he thinks of another person and how to help them, even though they have their own sars themselves, the Abish has to respond. So, and he says the words masculine a lot. They think about the person. Think about the person and how to give them in a way that they'll be they'll feel respect and they won't, you know, you could always, you can give them someone the same thing in a way, but but uh, give them a way that, they're, that they'll appreciate it in a way that they don't get insulted. And then the Abish says, oh, you're having all this going on in your life, all these things are hard for you, and you're still like showing up. That, that's Ketairis. That makes a difference. L'chaim, L'chaim. Shemim the Ketairis, the Abish, and Beis HaMikdash, Shemim HaKadosh, and if Hashem shared delays, we should uh, ring the other potatoes so we could ring in our homes, our families, everyone their own, everyone their way. We could, we could all do this. Okay.